Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host, Essanette. And I'm Stephen. <laughs> You're getting more aggressive every time you do that. <laughs> well, this is take 42. <laughs> Today we are on episode 15. Stephen. Yes. Do you know anything about Waverly Hills Sanatorium? I know a little bit, but I'm going to save it to later in the hopes that you didn't already know this snippet of information. Okay. I'll be snippety. Snippety. Yeah, okay, cool. Snippety mood. You very seldom know what I'm going to... Hmm, were you snooping? I think you were snooping. I snooped. <laughs> okay, we crack on? Crack on. So before we begin, I just want to make sure people know the difference between an asylum and a sanatorium, or maybe I'm the only person who assumed they were one and the same. An asylum is meant to be an institution offering shelter and support to people who are mentally ill. Unfortunately, far too many times in the past, we hear of institutions being closed due to neglect or ill treatment of patients. And a sanatorium is an establishment for medical treatment of people who are convalescing, which is resting, or have a chronic illness. From the family home built on the land in 1883 to Waverly Hills Sanatorium opening its doors to treat tuberculosis in 1910, followed by a huge renovation in 1926 that was then needed to accommodate the exploding epidemic until an antibiotic was found in 1943 and the facility closing its doors in 1961, what happened in that time is a tale not for the faint of heart. Waverly Hills is known as one of the most haunted locations in the world. Today, the Waverly Hills Historical Society operates tours an annual haunted house, and a holiday laser show to raise funds for the restoration of the building. This lofty, bat-winged, gothic building with its original gargoyles has a reputation that more than fits the somewhat spooky appearance. We'll start at the beginning. Before Waverly Hills was a hospital, it was a home. Major Thomas H. Hayes originally owned the land outside Louisville, Kentucky in 1883. The home was located far from the city and was quite secluded. Hayes had one daughter and she was very educated. She wanted to teach as she grew older, so Hayes built her a one-roomed schoolhouse. Here his daughter would teach the local school children. She asked could she name the school the Waverley School after her favourite author Sir Walter Scott's novels. Hayes reportedly liked the name so much, he named the entire property Waverley Hill. In the early 1900s, tuberculosis was ravaging the United States and Louisville was hit particularly hard because of its growing industrial economy. The Board of Tuberculosis Hospital was formed in 1906 to find a suitable location for a hospital to treat tuberculosis. Waverly Hill was considered to be an ideal location due to its distance from the city and its quiet surroundings. The fact that Waverly Hill was also at a high altitude was thought to be a contributing factor as well, as it would have had a better air quality. The board liked the name Waverly Hill and kept it. So a small hospital was built, fit to treat about 40 to 50 patients. Nicknamed the White Plague, tuberculosis was raging through the US, with no known origin or cure. There seemed to be some progress being made by the doctors at the new sanatorium at Waverly Hills. They noticed their patients, who were able to rest and had access to clean air and sunshine, seemed to be doing better than others. 
The original buildings at Waverley included two extensive open-air pavilions where patients were placed to receive their prescribed fresh air and sunshine. I say sunshine, but there are photos in circulation of patients on the pavilion with falling snow covering their blankets. Much of the treatment at Waverley Hill was based on positive morale and reassurance, which is a stark contrast to the building's current reputation as a hotspot for those who cannot find rest. The sanatorium was originally a two-storey frame building with half-timber design, an administration building and the open-air pavilions. As I mentioned before, it was able to treat 40 to 50 patients at a time, but tuberculosis reached epidemic proportions by 1910 and Louisville was hit particularly hard due to its low-lying position and soon Waverley was overwhelmed with over 140 patients in a facility designed for 40 people. As a result, construction soon began on a much larger, more permanent facility. In 1924, construction started that would be four storeys stretched across 108,000 square foot, including separate rooms for patients rather than communal rooms, recreational rooms, labs, and a sunroom. Some treatments at Waverley included diets rich in vitamin A and C, protein, and lots of bed rest. These treatments weren't intended to cure the disease, but the overall goal was to reduce suffering and, let's face it, most importantly, to help stop the spread of the infection. The new sanatorium was designed to hold up to 500 patients, which sounds like a massive increase in space, but it was required. Nurses, doctors and staff were required to stay at the facility to stop the spread of the disease. There was usually one main doctor and six doctors under him, and then anywhere from 60 to 75 nurses at the facility, so another building was built to house the nursing staff. A tunnel connecting the base to the hill was built so that workers and supplies could be ferried to and from the facility, still keeping outsiders safe. A children's pavilion was built not only to house younger victims of the disease, but the children whose parents were too ill to care for them. Doctors were confident that fresh air and a balanced diet was the best treatment for TB patients. But at the same time, they didn't know a lot about the disease and doctors experimented with different methods of treatment. Other such treatments were artificial pneumothorax, thoracoplasty and heliotherapy, the less invasive sunlight treatment. But even with many new procedures available and new methods being tried by doctors, it was impossible to save everyone. At the height of this epidemic, Waverley was seeing 24 patients a day dying from this illness. The number of patients leaving the hospital in body bags was starting to have a dramatic effect on the morale of patients still trying to stay positive, which was problematic as it was the hospital's main form of treatment. So the administrators started moving the bodies via the supply tunnel to hide the morbid evidence from the other patients, earning the tunnel the nickname, the death tunnel. Bodies would be lowered down the tunnel by a conveyor belt system, not unlike a ski lift, and an administrator would walk alongside it down the steps. The tunnel is about 700 feet long and pitch black when the lights are out. Reports have circulated that 63 to 65,000 people died at Waverley. So the owners created a memorial site for people whose family members had died and that the death could be confirmed at Waverley. That figure is currently at 11,000, confirmed, but they assume that there are a lot more than that. 11,000 is a huge figure considering the amount of time Waverley was open. 
So of course there would still be some residual energy or spirits left behind. Some stories from visitors are just, and I use the word just respectfully, but it would just be a feeling of unease. Or one of the ghost hunters on YouTube, the video I saw myself, saying that she felt like she was being watched the whole time on a specific floor. But then there have been sightings of ghosts, objects moving, and my least favourite apparition of all, a child ghost. There are, of course, your standard scary tales of ghostly screams, moans, and breezes as though someone just walked past you. But the saddest one for some is the story of Timmy. He was a six or seven year old patient at Waverley, and disregarding his exhausting illness, he loved to play with his toy ball in the hallways. And of course, this was allowed. The whole point of Waverley was to create a positive atmosphere so patients could heal. So who was going to say no to a child playing indoors despite there being an outdoor play area on the rooftop balcony? Visitors to the hospital today often bring a toy ball with them and encourage Timmy to come out and play. If you're in luck, he'll move the ball a small amount. But if he doesn't want to play or if he's finished playing, he just stops. He doesn't seem malevolent at all. Which is nice, I guess, but still not for me, thanks. People have reported hearing a jangling noise walking down the hallways. Not Ebenezer Scrooge like chains, but more like jangling of keys. The owners contributed that encounter to a man named Ralph. He was the maintenance worker and caretaker for the building of Waverley. Another tale, and for me is the most confusing and tragic, is that of the nurse from room 502. Room 502 was reportedly the nurse's station. The reason this tale is so confusing is no one knows exactly what happened. There was a nurse, we know that, and she was pregnant. But there are conflicting stories. One story being that she was pregnant with the doctor's baby, but the nurse died after a failed abortion attempt. Another story, she was pregnant with the owner's baby, and he pushed her from the roof in an effort to conceal their affair. Another story, she was pregnant with another member of staff, and after hearing he wanted nothing to do with the baby, she hung herself from the water pipes in room 502. Room 502 is said to be the most active room at Waverly Hills. There have been sightings of apparitions hanging in that room, nurses walking the corridor outside that room, and nurses roaming the halls in different parts of Waverly Hills, but they are all attributed to the same nurse. Bearing in mind the era, it was ungodly to have sex before marriage, and even though these nurses, doctors and patients knew that they were not likely to leave Waverley, they still wanted to look good in the eyes of society. So yes, conjugal visits did happen, but no, no one spoke of it. So for the nurse to get pregnant from this heinous act was unrecoverable in the eyes of high society. Waverley Hills Sanatorium was closed in 1961, and a renovated Waverley reopened as Woodhaven Medical Services a year later, but that had to be closed in 1980 after officials found appalling evidence of patient neglect. While that's a whole other episode, it does make me wonder, are we seeing all the spirits, ghosts and apparitions from Waverley Hills and from Woodhaven? Are some of them still hiding and just haven't shown themselves? With the owners planning to turn Waverley into a hotel, I'm sure only time will tell. What do you think of that? That was very good. Isn't it good? Mm. I actually thought I'd be a little bit more creeped out, but then when I found out the sanatoriums were places where people would go to try and, you know, feel better or get a bit of respite, I don't know if it would be classed as a hospice now. But yeah, I, I, I haven't slept in two days because I kept watching all the YouTube ghost hunters and this place is super, super haunted.
I thought an asylum would be <clears throat> far creepier. But yeah, this this place is pretty active. Yeah, well, like, I did the maths, and then you said at, at its height it was 24 people per day. Per day. Yeah, it was like So that was, you now everybody listening is probably aware of the spikes and troughs of yeah. uh, disease control. But if 11,000 people died in the approximately 52 yeah. years that it was open, that means that 211 people a year died. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And then, obviously, when you think about it, some years would have had a higher figure than other years because the, I don't know if it's a vaccine or a cure, I'm not sure what it's classed as, um, for TB came out in the 1940s. Uh, I want to say 1942, 1943. It didn't get as far as Kentucky until the late 40s. So we're talking about five, six years. Like, it wasn't just months. It was a couple mm. of years. And then because they were overstretched, understaffed, they had so many people in that sanatorium. So it took forever yeah. to try and get everybody well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first mentioning I ever heard of tuberculosis was obviously when I was much, much younger. But then in more kind of pop culture references in Captain America. Do you remember when he was doing his 5,646 application to join the army? And someone said, what did your dad die of? And he said, mustard gas. And he said, what did your mum die of? And he said got TB, couldn't shake it. And I was like, what the hell was TB? So I looked it up and it's to do with your lungs and that. Because I, when I was doing the research for this episode, I didn't <laughs> This is There's parts of this that my sister might not want to listen to. So you can turn away now. Um, but there is one part where... Turning doesn't stop. The I know, I know. <laughs> um, so basically what they tried, it's not the worst things that doctors could have done, but a lot of the treatment was very unorthodox, where they used to... Um, crack people's ribs oh, nice. to give them more room to breathe um but one of the things i w- looked up and i never knew about this because why would i look up medical terms was the artificial uh, pneumothorax they collapse your lung no sorry i lie they let air and gas into your chest cavity to make more room so that your damaged lung can heal now it all sounds very barbaric but a lot of the treatments that they were doing were actually working and then the, the sunlight and the good diet and all that kind of stuff. I think it was called hygiene hygiene, hygiene treatment there, or something. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So you'd basically look at this building, even now, it looks like it has no glass on the window panes at, at the front of the building, but there never were any windows. They're open spaces. It's literally just this very long pavilion that goes the whole length of the building. And you would be in your room, and every morning you would be wheeled out of your room and you'd be left on this pavilion to just embrace the fresh air and now if you look at it on google maps or if you watch any of the ghost hunter videos on youtube you'd see that there's lots of trees but there was no trees back then so there was no shelter from trees weren't invented until the <laughs> but um none of the trees were there so there was no shelter from that cold bitter wind that came in and like i said in in the episode there there are pictures online of them sitting out i don't even think it was actually in the pavilion it looked like they were just left out in the yard they were they were looked after. Like I'm not saying they were neglected. I think this was more the treatment was unorthodox. Mm. But then people started to get really freaked out at seeing people that they may have been in a bed beside or in a room beside or on the same floor as and all of a sudden they go down for a treatment and they don't come back up again. So they started to ferry the bodies down an elevator shaft and then they would go down the death tunnel. And they'd go all the way down there. It's about 700 feet and an ambulance would meet them on the way. And then eventually it just got too heavy with all the bodies that were piling up and they ended up having to have their own morgue. And then sometimes the pathologist. Pathologist. Yeah. Uh, he just he just couldn't, he couldn't do autopsies 
And I'm kind of like, well, I can give you two guesses as to what the poor chap died from. But yeah, it just it just got far too much. It got far too heavy. And and like thinking they went from I think the phil- the facility was first opened to treat two people, and then they expanded to forty to fifty people. And then I don't know where they're looking at 500 and it was never 500 people staying there. It was always more. Just on the, the, the tunnel. Yeah. I actually was Googling and looking at some YouTube clips. Oh, really? And this, this chap, and I can't remember his name and I can't remember when he released it. So it's, it's all unverified. But <laughs> he was talking about his experience when he went there. And by the way, you can go on tours and it's 30 to 40 quid for a two hour ghost tour mm. or... A similar price for a historical tour up as far as an overnight stay which is a thousand dollars but they the this guy and his crew went to do this but he said it was a weird night because i think he went to leave because uh, it got all weird when the police showed up to arrest and they ended up arresting the caretaker because he i think he must have got bored and was messing with the uh the ghost hunters yeah but the police ended up having to chase him into the forest because he, he pulled a gun but that, there you go so Maybe there's no ghost, it was just a caretaker. <laughs> well, there is a ghost of a caretaker. See, it's crazy, though, because one of the guys that I was watching, I think his name was Do- Josh, he had a crew of another guy, both very young. They were in their 20s, a young girl, maybe in her 20s, and then an older guy, maybe our age, maybe 30s. They had everything with them. They had the EVP gear, they had cameras, they had this, that, the other, but they were daring each other to go, like, you know, walk down there without your light on and call Timmy and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there going, you paid a thousand euro to be there overnight to scare the bejesus out of each other. I was like, you you are my kind of people to watch, but I won't be going with you. That's okay. Mm. Because I'd be the fool that if someone said, I dare you, I'd be like, all right, fine. And the whole time I would be Terrified. Well, well, let me tell you this one that I, and this this was a news report from March 2022. You know, you've seen all the tunnels and you've. I seen bite these, my nails. <laughs> and just imagine, picture this long dark tunnel that it looks like it's from my perspective, it looked like it was about 45 degree angle down this hill, no windows, nothing. And this is in modern times, and it's strippy. And as as you get lower, it gets wetter, obviously, because there's more pressure down mm. and there's more water being pushed through. And you can see the steps that you were talking about. And the the long slope, it's like it looks kind of like wheelchair access. Yeah, so and, there's steps on the left, yeah. and then there's so, the ramp. So imagine you're paid for your tour, you're you're walking around, you're in this, and you're you're getting all the the history or the ghosts, and you're you're getting the start all creepy, and then there's a storm, and then you have to go and hide. This in is the, the tornado warning. This, you have to yeah. go and hide. In the, you have to go hide out in the in the tunnel until the tornado passes but see they they did it right though because what they did was they still obviously after the, the storm was passed um, they just kind of picked up where they left off but in order to try and keep everybody calm they were telling like little ghost stories that probably wouldn't have been on the tour like mm. say if you were a tour guide and part of your job was to cover x y and z in two hours that's a lot of stuff to try and cover in two hours yeah. but what about that one occasion last weekend when somebody tugged on your trouser leg and you're like mm, now's the time to tell everybody because you have that space and that time to do it so they got like you know the little extra ghost story in there so it'd be kind of cool but imagine you're going already somewhere that's spooky and then an air raid alarm goes is that what they're called air raid a weather warning it's like the big siren alarm thing. Do you know what? A weather alarm went off. I was like, oh my God, this is so dramatic. And then he said a tornado. I was like, oh, holy crap. I, just, I don't know how people do that. I, I, I love watching it. It's kind of like true crime. I love listening to true crime. 
no, obviously I don't want to be involved in true crime, but I can't cover true crime. I don't have, I, I, did, I, I would be overly scared and overly giddy and, and overly I, emotional. I would, I would in all genres of emotion. All of the, all of the apparitions would be just clinging to me. I'd be like not that much energy because the the guy Josh I was watching, he actually said that a lot of his equipment was glitching, and I was like, what the hell is this? And then they were like, our equipment is glitching because. They gave the ghosts permission to use their lights and their electric equipment to take the energy from it so that they could communicate with them. And I was like, but now you have no lights. Yeah. Have you any other questions for me? No. I'm trying to cover a variety of different things, but I really, really wanted to cover the asylum that you were telling me about. The asylum American Horror Story is based oh, yeah. on it. Yeah. But I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head now. So we might leave that for a couple of I want to say. I don't know. I'll make it. It begins with a W again. Oh, Waterloo. No, maybe it begins with an S. It was a school. It was a something Mm. state school. The start of the asylum American horror story reminded me of the couple you were talking about going visiting uh, just for the crack of scaring, whereas this particular couple broke into an asylum and (gasps) it was their honeymoon and they used to just go around to all scary points and make whoopee. Do you know what though? <laughs> that came into my head because there was uh, stop. Do you know Buzzfeed? I know. I was. You know they do lots of programs. There was this um, unconfirmed or on something show that they did where they went and they they did the visit in Waverly. And one of the guys said to the other fella, like the obviously not so scared, turned around to the scared of everything. So the you turned around to me and said. Put your hand in whatever the big letterbox was of this door that wasn't open. He said, just stick the camera in or put a, a sensor in or something. And he was just like, what? No. Oh, my God. No, that's crazy. What if I lose my hand? And he goes, well, then we'll have confirmation of a ghost. And I was like, but he still loses his hand. Cool. But it reminded me of the, um, was it Leatherface or Taserface? No, that's Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sure it was Leatherface, wasn't it? In Asylum? Yeah, well, I can't remember. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put my hand in. And then, like, he came out with just a skeleton hand. Oh, that's not good for you. No. Mm. Are we good? We're good, I think. I don't think we have anything else to... No. Do your words. (laughs) You're mad for the jingle. Okay. So if you have any questions or queries on today's episode or comments that you would like to DM us, our Instagram is what's the story ghost. Our email is what's the story ghost. What's the story ghost at gmail.com if you have any personal experiences you'd like to uh, share with us. And on that note, we will see you next time. Jingle. You couldn't even let me just finish the last word. I had like one of the words. Bye.